Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find help and hope for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well. to the Starting Over Stronger Divorce Survival and Recovery Podcast. Today's episode is going to just be me again sharing another heart-to-heart with you. If I've learned one thing in this life, it is the power of personal responsibility. Choosing and accepting full responsibility for your own attitudes and actions and being deliberate about abdicating for yourself. It's a game changer. And honestly, the alternative just keeps you stuck in these endless cycles of victimization and blame and shame of others and yourself. And that's just no way to live. So I wanted to come to you today and just share with you eight steps that you can take to realize your own power, especially as you divorce. But these eight steps work for many of the obstacles that you will face in your life. And they're all about taking the high road to work more effectively with your soon-to-be ex and others. And the result is your peace of mind and most likely also a more favorable outcome in your divorce. There's an old saying that if you expect the best, you very often get it. Now, we certainly can't predict the future, but maybe we can play a part in creating some of it. Today, I want to just lay out these eight steps that you can take in the direction of taking the high road. The concepts come from a combination of materials from my certified divorce coach training, a book called Taking the High Road by Karen Covey, and from my own personal and professional experiences. So maybe your married life has already given you an education in how to take the high road, or perhaps you've begun to realize that you're not proud of some of the ways your divorce and your soon-to-be ex have caused you to feel or to act. Do you feel like you might not be fully living in alignment with your values? Are you desperate to find a way to offload some of the stress from your divorce. I know you want to be able to look back on this time of your life and not have huge regrets about the decisions you've made or how you handled things. And the truth is that you have the ability to create some of the outcomes that you're desiring for your divorce simply by expecting the best of yourself and of others. So what is taking the high road? Well, really, It just means that you're committed to creating the best intentions for yourself and for those that are impacted by you, your family, your friends, co-workers, yes, even your soon-to-be ex, your lawyer, and the other professionals that will assist you as you go through your divorce. Taking the high road just means retaining your dignity, your self-worth, And it means loving yourself well through the many moments that are going to be so overwhelming and hopeless that they routinely drive even the most patient of people to become someone they don't recognize in the mirror. It really means bossing yourself around, insisting to yourself that you are going to do what is healthy when you feel like doing the exact opposite. And it means surrounding yourself with 
positive and influential friends and professionals who are going to challenge you when you're not at your best. So as we get started, I want to ask if you'd just take a second, grab a piece of paper if you can, and write high road down the left side of the paper. These eight steps that I'm going to share will become an acronym to help you recall these important ways that you can protect yourself and contribute positively to your divorce. So the first step is going to be that letter H, and that is to honor yourself. How do you do that? Well, you recognize who you are at your core. Think back to some time when you were really happy, really felt like you had life by the horns, <laughs> and you really just were living your best life, your best self, your true values. You know, what's important to you? One example of honoring yourself would be resisting the temptation to lie, cheat, or hide money, even if your spouse is doing all three of those things, especially if your spouse is doing that. You know, stooping down to their level just drags you both down farther. It's a no-win situation, and it's the exact opposite of the spirit of taking the high road. And if you and or your attorney can find a way to be able to illustrate to the judge about your spouse's indiscretions, your case can be much stronger. Unless, of course, you've been dishonest too. And the same goes for communication. If he is argumentative and hateful, but you give it right back, the judge won't take any of that into consideration. So be above reproach. Do the right thing. Because it's the right thing. Now, number two in taking the high road is the letter I. And that stands for inner awareness. And that's just you becoming aware of your own thoughts, your feelings, your views of the world. What activates your trauma wounds? Some people call these triggers. And what are your automatic responses to a perceived threat? Become aware of what matters to you and why it matters. One example of inner awareness would be choosing not to play the upper hand just because you can. You know, I, obviously a litigious attorney may disagree, but there are much more important things in your divorce than exercising your legal rights. You may find along the way that you suddenly tap into some information that would allow you to destroy your spouse legally, financially, or emotionally, and frankly, he may even deserve it. But you have to think long term, big picture. Who else is going to be affected? How are you really going to feel when the anger subsides? And I promise it will. When you are five years down the road and you are consumed with guilt, you will regret having exercised your legal rights in a matter that might have been better left alone. Doing the wrong thing for the right reasons always leads to disappointment and hurt. Now, number three is G, which is generous listening. And here you just want to stay present in the moment. Listen deeply be curious as you listen to yourself and to others. And even for people who you don't care for, like your soon-to-be ex at the moment, 
don't just listen to the words that are being spoken. Be generous in listening for the meaning that's behind those words, the feelings and the fears and the motives behind that. So, for example, when your spouse says or does something hurtful to you, take a deep breath, walk away, don't reply, refrain from engaging, don't take the bait. Self-control is hard in these moments, but my gosh, I'll tell you, it yields rewards that will be felt for much longer than the momentary pleasure of trying to win yet another fight with him. I mean, think about it. Didn't you file for divorce so that you didn't have to fight with him anymore? And even if he filed, wasn't there a moment after that when you realized that maybe now the fighting was finally going to be over? So don't do it. You can rise above it. You may feel like taking the high road in this way makes you a pushover or like you're letting him win. But the truth is, you're the winner. Every time you walk away from a would-be fight and take it to your attorney, or if you have a divorce coach, take it there. These are the moments that are going to allow you to build up your strength and your reserves of resiliency to be the strongest and most courageous version of yourself. It pays dividends you have yet to fully comprehend. So just trust me, trust the process. Number four is that, le that second letter H, hot button management. You want to be aware of what activates you emotionally. What triggers you? What makes you feel threatened? When your buttons are pushed, is the problem the button pusher or the fact that you have a button? Think about that for a minute. When you begin to gain recognition of what activates you, throws you into fight or flight mode or what some call the reptilian brain, what hijacks your amygdala, you can learn how to unhook yourself and to focus forward. And from there, you can move toward what you want. Disable that hot button. And that button pusher loses all the power they once held over you. Because frankly, as it turns out, just like the good witch Glinda told Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, you had the power all along, my dear. You just had to learn it for yourself. So one example of a hot button would be when your ex says or does something that makes you want to tell your kids, or maybe it's a heat of a moment thing, especially if they're older. You want them to know just how much of a jerk their father is, right? And this is a big one, ladies. Yes, you will want to tell your kids the truth. But the first truth is that there are things that your kids at any age do not need to know. Like the fact that their father had an affair, for example. That's between you and him. If they ask you point blank, isn't it still honest to say that's an issue between your dad and I and not something that you need to worry about. I love you. And then change the subject. Not telling them things like this is not dishonesty. It's protecting them. And that's what parents do. 
Now, there are some ways you'll need to be honest with your older kids for their protection. If, for example, they are struggling with toxic, dysfunctional issues within their father-child relationships. But this is an exception to this rule. And it is really important that it is handled delicately under the guidance of a qualified mental health professional and that does not fall under the category of hot button management because it's not done in anger or haste. It's a well thought out approach to guiding our children to better understand important interpersonal relationship dynamics so that they do not repeat painful generational patterns. Now, number five, the fifth step in taking the high road is the R of respecting relationships. We do not successfully navigate divorce by being in control the whole time. Now, it's hard not to want that, but the reality is that there's a ton of give and take. You may be one of the fortunate ones and find that one or both of you has come to a place where you're able to truly conduct yourselves so well that this turns out to be the most agreeable that your conflict management has ever been. And don't be surprised if this is the case, that you may have fleeting feelings of why are we getting divorced if we can manage divorce this well? In most cases, this sudden agreeability is not a sign that you should stay together, but that you're both feeling so relieved that it's coming to closure that the fight or flight has left and you're willing to collaborate to ensure a timely and positive ending. You can finally agree on one thing. The marriage is over and you both want it to be done so that you can move on. For others, and in fact, probably most others, there is still a high level of anger, fear, lashing out at one another. As our marital relationships evolve into something new during the divorce process and after, you know, it's very wise to approach the other party, your soon-to-be ex, as the human being that they are. Your soon-to-be ex may be a lot of things, but he is first and foremost a human with needs and wants, and your respect is going to go a really long way in helping you to produce the outcomes that you can feel good about now and for years to come. So respect your attorney for the knowledge that they bring, Respect all of the professionals that you hire for the fact that they have expertise and that they are going to be able to help you navigate because of their ability not to engage in the emotional story of your divorce beyond what's helpful. And treating your spouse with respect, even when they do not deserve it, is the prime example of this. He is human. He wa- you once walked an aisle with him. Now, things obviously didn't turn out the way you'd hoped and planned for that day so long ago. But no matter what, civility, especially in front of the kids, is the least you can do. And it's the best way to have zero regrets down the road. Step number six in taking the high road is the O of overcoming obstacles. There are going to be some potholes and detours as you navigate the road trip of divorce. Taking good care of yourself physically, eating well, being active, 
you know, mentally going to therapy if you need to resolve something from your past, finding a coach if you want to focus forward, and then socially and spiritually, getting out and enjoying life, praying, meditating, tuning into your positive self. These things will go a long ways in helping you face obstacles with confidence and resilience, with clarity and being open to the support of an expert. One obstacle that many moms face is requests and demands and even passive aggressive attempts to undermine or override the parenting schedule. And this can very easily become your kryptonite daily or weekly, draining you of your energy and ability to parent well if you fight it. Switching days and times without making it a big deal will go a long way in diffusing the constant drama. And yes, it's a pain to have to rearrange your schedule to accommodate your ex or his new dating life or his seeming inability to make plans anytime other than the last minute. But it's also an opportunity for you to spend more time with your kids or if he wants to have them when it might officially be your time. It allows you to some extra time to breathe to enjoy some me time, to sleep, to pray, to go out for drinks and dancing with friends, or to go on a date. The rule of thumb is that if the request is better for your kids or doesn't harm them, just do it. Do what makes your kids' lives easier. And just bear in mind as you let go of this constant struggle and choose instead to become flexible and easygoing about changes you will soon realize that the demands may become less demanding. Sometimes all a cantankerous ex wants is to keep you off kilter. Or maybe they just don't care how they affect you. But who are we really helping by clinging so tightly to what's fair or right? How might instead everyone benefit by you deciding to overcome this obstacle by choosing to see it as an opportunity rather than an obstacle. Step number seven in taking the high road is the A of allowing others what is important to them. Here you want to decide what is important to you in the divorce and what will be important to you and your family as you move into the next chapter of your lives. What will be in the best interest of your children as you co-parent? And listen for what is important to the other person so that you can begin to open your mind to some give and take. Maybe what's important to your ex is being kept in the loop and not feeling like he has to ask all the right questions in order to be a fully informed parent in his children's lives. You know, no matter how much you may despise your ex, no matter what they've done wrong to you, they're still your child's other parent. They are a part of both of you. And you both deserve to be an equal part of their lives. So freely sharing information about the kids with your ex without him having to ask you about everything all the time is a paradigm shift. You will feel it. Your kids will feel it. It is a simple but powerful way to start to co-parent well for your kids' sake. 
And the eighth and final step in taking the high road is the D of developing new boundaries. The importance of boundaries really cannot be understated. You know you need boundaries if the lines between you and your ex or anyone else are blurred. Or if you find yourself in a cycle of drama that elevates your stress chronically. Some women I coach have no idea at all that life can be relatively calm, smoothly moving through your days even when you're busy without chaos and conflict. But if you've never known that kind of life or even if that is possible, this is going to be the very most important step for you to stay on the high road during and after your divorce. Boundaries have to be established before the heat of a moment. You are in a phase of your life now where you are redefining your relationships anyway. So now is the ideal time to define the new boundaries, which should accompany those changes. As I mentioned before, it's quite ironic and unfortunate when someone files for a divorce from someone because they don't want to fight anymore, but then they go on fighting with them anyway. I wish I could say I don't see that all the time, but I do. And most people usually relate the latest incident on their social media, asking people what they would do if their ex did this or that. But they never stop to look at what they are continuing to do, to cross boundary lines that are desperately needed for everyone's sake. You may very well need to set boundaries with many more people than just your ex. This includes former in-laws, friends who have chosen to take sides and not yours, even your own family, your kids, your kids' parents, friends, teachers, and so on. But it goes without saying that the most important boundaries during a divorce are going to be the ones that you set with your soon-to-be ex. It's honestly hard for me to pick just one example of this, so I'm going to narrow it down to the two most crucial boundaries every divorcing woman needs to set. Number one, do not text him a hundred times a day. You are getting a divorce. You're severing a relationship. And as hard as it may be to hear, you need to cut the cord for your sake and for his whether or not he agrees. And this applies to social media as well. Frankly, in the majority of cases, you need to block him and maybe even your former in-laws and mutual friends, especially if your divorce is on the contested docket. This crossing of lines just invites more trouble than you have the energy or clarity to deal with right now. Anything you and your soon-to-be ex need to discuss can and probably should be discussed by your attorneys, or at least in the presence of your attorney, especially if there's a history of high conflict. Period. End of story. I'm not going to elaborate on that. You need to end this connection with him. And in the case that you have kids that are young enough that you must communicate with him about, get an app like Family Wizard and use only that for communicating and only communicating about the kids. If you're resistant 
to this kind of disconnection, I need you to try to explore why. There is a thing called love addiction, and the truth is that it's not love at all. The chemical releases in your brain from years of constant conflict are like a drug. And like any drug, this is not healthy. Real love does not need to continue to participate in toxic communication. Now, the second recommendation that I'm going to make on a crucial boundary is ending any conversation the moment it becomes emotional. If you have taken the recommendation to block him on phone and social media, you won't need this, by the way. If your communication patterns with your ex don't rise to the level of needing to block him entirely everywhere, you still need to set what I call the Biff boundary. Now, I didn't make that up. Former divorce attorney and author Bill Eddy writes extensively about high-conflict divorce, and his number one recommendation is a communication method he calls BIFF, B-I-F-F, which stands for Brief, Informative, Friendly, and Firm. When you communicate with your former spouse, you need to be brief. Don't over-explain. Say only what needs to be said. Be informative, not emotive. Communicate only to share about factual and practical matters, not emotional ones. Be friendly. This is the hardest one for many people because it's not just not being rude. It's being kind, using positive language like thank you and I appreciate No matter how hard it is to come up with something that you're thankful for or appreciative of, find it and state it. It makes a difference. Remember, it may be more than your ex who reads these messages at some point. And even if it is only him, you want to remain blameless and contribute to a positive, forward-focused atmosphere during your divorce. And then lastly, be firm. Now, firm is not callous. It is just certain. It is the difference between, I'd like the kids this Saturday from noon to three for my mom and dad's anniversary party, if that wouldn't be too much trouble for you. And my parents' anniversary party is this Saturday at noon, and I would like for the kids to be there. Okay, so that was a lot. I hope you took good notes. We covered a lot of ground here today. Uh, If you didn't get a chance to write all this down, you honestly may want to go back and listen to this episode a second time with a pen and a notepad in hand because these eight steps of taking the high road will, and I do mean will, definitely will change the course of your divorce and the years to come in many ways that you most likely can't even grasp right now that you need and will desperately want as you create a life and as you go forward. So thanks for tuning in with me here today. I hope this was helpful. Again, always, I invite you to reach out to me at Annie at startingoverstronger.com. If you have any questions, if you want to suggest a topic for the show, if you want to share your personal divorce story on the show, 
uh, just reach out. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And again, I just thank you for being here, for tuning in to hear more about how you can get help during your divorce and hope as you are starting over stronger.